Hello and welcome fellow awesomeologists to Awesomeology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we're planning to talk about Threads, the newest social media channel from Meta, along with how we determine if it's time to join or leave a social media site, channel, place, whatever you want to call it, right? Thing, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and no spoilers, but it's been an exciting 2023. We've had uh, the opportunity to shake things up, look at strategy, not just for ourselves, but for our clients. And uh, so Threads is just one more exciting new challenge. That's right. That uh, we get to add to the year. So, but let's start here. Um, in case people are not perpetually uh, uh, thinking about online marketing the way you and I are. Uh, can you tell people a little bit about what Threads is? Yeah, uh, Twitter by Meta. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Nice episode. Thanks, yeah. Sue. Have a good day. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, unless you've been living under a rock, I'm sure people have, uh, listeners have seen the memes or uh, some of the uh, pretty entertaining stuff about uh, what. I mean, I can't really hide it much like what a direct ripoff Threads is of Twitter. I mean, really, it's the same thing. I mean, sure, maybe some uh, subtle differences and we'll dive into maybe some of the differences on the back end that make it uh, just a tad different um, than Twitter and might help people understand how to use it, whether or not to use it, things like that. But but really, at the end of the day, that's what it is. I mean, it's a text-based social media platform, you know, with some ability for photo and video and uh, as things continue to develop, um, you know, ads and stuff like that will all be part of the mix, I'm sure, right? right. Uh, but right. Um, but yeah, just uh, really that platform from Meta that'll operate in a, a similar way to Twitter, you know, really based on, uh, you know, being driven by conversations and creating engagement through um, through that uh medium text and conversation instead of images and video and animation Mm -hmm. and algorithm and everything else right yeah yeah i have seen it referred to as nice twitter oh yeah which is i mean that sounds good (laughs) sure that sounds good um a lot of the a lot of the features are not sort of uh completely completely put together the the one thing i oh the one major difference listen (laughs) i have to actually ben i have to correct you because major difference between threads and twitter is that threads has a 500 character limit so massive anyway (laughs) yeah so threads is threads is just your long-winded friend your long-winded version right uh, right so like uh Twitter is you if it was nicer. Threads is me. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Microblogging site. Um, over 100 million users signed up for this in the first week. Uh, I do. Th- I think personally that that number is a little bit skewed because the enrollment for Threads comes straight through your Instagram. So uh, I would guess a really big portion of those people were already Instagram users. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so prone to knowing that it is a click of a button. Right. And all of your information floods over from Instagram. Uh, pretty simple sign up. Yeah. That probably had a lot to do with it. 
Yeah. Um, I was just yeah. reading something today, though, that said uh, they had topped out at about uh, at almost 50 million users, daily users um, at their peak. And now they're sort of maybe settling into mm-hmm. what those what a more normal average daily user count will be, which is about half that yeah. right now. So yeah. it it was the, you know, man, it was the hot sexiness for about two weeks. Yeah. Well, and it was, and it was simple, right? I mean, you know, to your point of, you know, click of a button and you're enrolled. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. That uh, very likely inflated the numbers a little bit, you know, to any kind of measurement of how many people really signed up as I'm doing air quotes on an audio podcast, but, um, but at the same time, like good on meta to make it super easy. Right. And I think that that's something that's attractive about um, not only, you know, enrolling and checking out threads, but also considering how you might use it in the future is, you know, the fact that it is in the same environment, you know, owned mm-hmm. by the same company and everything. And there is a convenience there of, you know, just being used to what the meta platform looks like, whether you're on Facebook, Instagram, threads, whatever, right? So, um, you know, we see that in other places too, right? I mean, if you're a geek like me with with a Apple watch and an iPhone and an iPad and my MacBook, like all sitting right next to each other. Like (laughs) you look at that and it seems it does objectively, I can say it seems a little crazy, but (laughs) there is a convenience in, um, you know, that environment and just being kind of in the, in the same platform, even though you might use each of those things for different things, different uh, tasks, just like you might use Facebook, Instagram or threads for different things. So Right, right. Well, and I and I think that 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 knowing, uh, and we'll talk. We're about to talk about it too. Knowing Meta's intention to uh, move that into the Fediverse, which I uh, I went way down a rabbit hole yesterday about the Fediverse. So we'll talk about that. But knowing their intention to make that cross-platform communication. Uh, much more robust so move it uh, not just between Facebook and Instagram but first bringing threads into the fold and then really opening that up through um, through open source uh, technology and making that what is supposed is predicted to be a seamless conversation quote unquote (laughs) <laughs> we'll see we'll, we'll see, see how that bears out as far as seamlessness but yeah it you you can kind of see you can kind of guess the roadmap there once you once you know um what their intentions are mm-hmm. uh a little bit my my opinion before we talk about the fediverse uh the one thing about, that i think it's worth bearing worth mentioning because it has bearing on the next part of our conversation, which is should you do it, should you not do it as business, um, is that right now there's not a desktop version of it. There's no usability uh, for desktop. And um, that to me, as a person who gets paid to think about these things, that that feels like a barrier right now. Yeah, um, definitely. But there, that's another thing that their intentions are to add that and some additional new features. 
Yeah. Yeah. And also as, you know, marketers, not something that's totally unheard of for us, you know, Instagram mm -hmm. was another platform that was really hard to use on anything other than your phone, even though there were maybe some, you know, web browser extensions and other tools to kind of right. you know, right. get around some of those limitations. And now, you know, it fits into our workflow really easily. So um, it'll come, it'll come in time, yeah. but yeah, if, if you're looking for uh, another reason uh if you need another reason to not uh jump on the threads bandwagon right now that might be a really easy one to just say yeah i'll wait until it's a little easier for me to you know publish you know at my desk right. or whatever but right it's coming right. <laughs> yeah so and before we get to the discussion of strategy if people should or shouldn't do it let's delay that so that they have to listen longer <laughs> and uh, let's let's talk about my new favorite topic, the Fediverse, and what that is. Um, and I have I'm going to just read from my notes because this is such new knowledge. Not that I'm not proud of it, but it's new. The Fediverse, uh, which is a word that is a combination of federation and universe. Uh, so very Star Trekky there. Uh, right. It's a loose, a loose collective of decentralized servers that operate using open source standards. Unlike traditional social social networks, the Fediverse allows users to connect and communicate with others, quote unquote, seamlessly. There's that word across multiple platforms. Uh, there are some uh, benefits uh, or perceived benefits to the Fediverse as a user. It doesn't rely on algorithms. It doesn't uh, scrape data in the same way. You know, when you're, I think it is worth thinking when you're thinking about Meta and some of their history, some of their baggage around uh, personal data and what has happened on that platform. We're thinking about that when we think about the Fediverse. Um, and so one of the one of the sites that we have not really explored too much because um, it just didn't really feel like a place yet where we belonged is Mastodon, mm -hmm. which is part of this Fediverse, uh, and it shows you the content of people instances that you follow in chronological order instead of algorithmically. Sure. So it is. Um, speaking of speaking of Twitter, that's like old Twitter. It yeah, is right. just, you know, the next thing that happened is the next thing you see. Um, and their feeling is at Mastodon that that creates less stress on people because it's not, it is not designed in the way the algorithm is designed to keep you engaged and to keep and to prevent you from logging off. Right. You can, uh, it is that old older social media, which is a weird combination of words, but that <laughs> older social, social media logic, which is go on, check the latest, dip out once, you, once you're up to date. Right. Um, and it's worth knowing that when you join Threads, there is a disclaimer that pops up that says future versions of Threads will work within the Fediverse, a new type of social media. That allows people to follow and interact with each, with each other on different platforms. Now, it's it's easy to see, I think, as an objective outsider, why what uh, what the drive might be for an organization like Meta to 
become a part of something like the Fediverse. But in my deep dive yesterday down the rabbit hole, um, what I learned was that even though Meta intends to do that, and they have made that a very public claim, um, there are current users on sites like Mastodon and some of the other ones that are involved uh, that don't really want to see that happen because they have built a community on small platforms with uh, a particular set of rules that are very distinct from things like Meta. And mm -hmm. the idea of having a big player like that come in, um, especially with some of that privacy baggage and some of the other things, um, they they don't really love the idea of mm -hmm. them joining that family of the Fediverse. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me in that in my book report about the Fediverse. <laughs> <laughs> it is a thing and it is fun and everyone should do it. <laughs> what what are your thoughts on all of that? The Fediverse, the possibilities? Yeah. Well, I mean I'll be uh really open and say I probably get um irresponsibly overexcited anytime that I hear something open source because it mm -hmm. kind of feels like humans taking some control back or something you know what I mean uh, and I don't know I'm using humans as a really big term there because there are humans that work at meta but also we know that um, you know the way that they're building their system and you know thinking about you know to some of the points you just discussed about how a big part of their job is to you know develop a system that keeps people engaged and keeps people mm -hmm. on you know to the point of addiction and some really unhuman um or inhumane uh kind of behaviors you know it's just gross you know so like mm -hmm. when i hear that something's open source and you know there's opportunity for you know development and a new way of doing things i get excited about that and i imagine that most of the people that um interact with those kinds of technologies uh, are the ones that yeah, or maybe pushing back or a little hesitant about the idea of somebody like something like Meta dabbling in that space. From Meta's standpoint, I think it's pretty darn smart because it's a way for them to maybe, um, you know, start to break down the barrier or the perception that they're just a bunch of aliens, robots, iguanas, whatever they are that work there, <laughs> um, you know, and that they can actually participate in an open source kind of environment too and you know give some power back to the user and stuff but um yeah if i i don't know how that might be governed or what limitations could be put on their involvement uh whether it's you know limited or uh, a straight up yes or no I, I don't know what that looks like i won't pretend to understand it but um i, I can see why there's both excitement and hesitation uh, mm -hmm. from everyone involved. But yeah, the whole Fediverse thing, uh, lots of learning there uh, for me uh, to really understand it in general and how different technologies might interact with it and what that could mean for marketers. And uh, But I think it's, like I said at the beginning, I think it's cool. I think it's mm -hmm. super cool to... Um, see people taking some control back and creating a space where um you know resources are shared development is um a little non-traditional uh and usually 
I'm sure there's bad actors in all of those kinds of spaces, but usually what happens there is, you know, control given back to people to get, you know, what maybe the original intention was out of certain technologies and social media, I think is no exception, right? You know, you right. mentioned like old social media and stuff, um, you know, they're that it is weird to say that because it wasn't that long ago, but, you know, I think some of those like core, um, principles or functionalities of some of those first versions of social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or whatever, you know, they were really just rooted in like some of the things that I think social media channels are trying to sell us on today, which is, you know, global connection and mm -hmm. uh, things like that, you know, and it, it was that when it first started, or, you know, at least uh, that was at the root of these networks when they first started. And then follow the money, you know, as soon as right. money starts getting involved in ad revenue and stuff like that, a lot of things change, but, um, yeah, so I'm rambling a bit now, but it's it's cool to it's cool to see um, this new space kind of allowing for some new ways to do old things or new things, depending on right if you're talking right. about social media. But. Yeah, probably the the one analogy that helped me the most understand what the Fediverse looks like, how at a, an extremely high level, how that could work was uh, one article I looked at compared that to email. Mm. So every email program has a, you know, basically has a gate through which email, you can use Gmail, I can use Hotmail because I'm 400 years old. I can use <laughs> Hotmail. <laughs> and I can still, I can get a Gmail email, an email coming from Gmail into Hotmail. And that, that those work seem quote unquote seamlessly. Sure. Yeah. Um and uh so it is it's interesting to see sort of this uh, that journey back to that kind of interaction online and uh really back to the roots of that one to one connection being able to uh being able to get your message to someone no matter where you know no matter what platform they're on yeah yeah from a business standpoint you know it gives me a little concern I guess just because it's the unknown right like we don't right. really know what that might mean for us and how we interact with it um, from a personal standpoint another thing that excites me about it is you know as I have two young children at home something we actually talk about every now and then because of either us seeing some nastiness on social media or how it's like affecting people negatively or it's in the media or whatever you know I start to think about my kids and like how mm. you know what's that going to look like when they're interacting with that stuff when they're older and you know we say it often like how grateful we are that we didn't have it when we were in high school and you know like what that would have changed for us you know so so I'm excited that there's you know innovation happening and you know a next maybe a next iteration of social media as a whole happening this mm -hmm. way and it could mean an improved experience or maybe mm -hmm. dare I say a safer environment for our kids to um, you know interact when they get to the age of um, being on social media and stuff but even that as I say all of that a similar feeling from the business standpoint like it's still really unknown so mm -hmm. I, I hesitate to say how hopeful I am but um but to know that there's something 
new in the works is exciting and going back to maybe some original roots of what social media was intended for with connection and stuff maybe that's maybe there's a bright future that our kids can enjoy with it and not have to be involved in the nastiness of it that we right. see and hear about today you know right yeah so let you know let's let's dive in let's talk a little bit you know thinking about threads intention uh, to move into the Fediverse and what that might look like as well. Because I, I don't think, I think they're inextricable. You, if you are considering something, if you're considering threads specifically as part of your strategy moving forward, it pays to understand the roadmap and what it thinks will be happening. What, and when I say it, I mean threads. I know it's not a sentient, sentient being yet. <laughs> not yet. Uh, <laughs> but, how do you think sites like that, uh, that are connected to the Fediverse and that kind of connection uh, affects business users across platforms? As you know from the notes, I have some thoughts. So I'll let you go first, though, because like I said, I, I've been in the rabbit hole. <laughs> I've built my own little warren down here, and now I think this is where I live. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know straight up um i'll be clear i i don't know you know i i really don't know and it's kind of tough to imagine it and i think it, it's difficult for me to imagine it because of just how like deeply ingrained the current state of social media is in our day to day mm -hmm. you know the the pay to play atmosphere the like constant chasing of good content and you know putting stuff out that people will interact with whether it's you know, whether it's organic or something that they saw in an ad, right? So it's just, it's so tough to like imagine another world, <laughs> you know, but um, I guess similar to, you know, what I was saying before about um, how it could mean like a different future for our kids from a personal use standpoint. Um, I, I like to imagine it on the business side too, where it's less about ads and algorithm and some of the like, I don't know, <laughs> naughty words that maybe get associated with social media that, you know, mm -hmm. makes it all feel a little less genuine and, you know, about like real human connection and stuff. And it's kind of fun to try and think about how businesses could, you know, experience similar benefits by mm -hmm. playing in a, in a world that is more built on like genuine connection and conversation and in a more, you know, like human controlled sort of Mm -hmm. atmosphere you know so um so yeah I, again I don't I don't know <laughs> I right. don't know but I I'm hopeful that it means something that's like a more human positive experience for businesses mm -hmm. that um yeah brings us back to our roots of how we connect with other businesses and and people you know right yeah I see uh again and I also don't know <laughs> so all predictions based on my admittedly very brief and possibly flawed understanding, but uh, the idea of people being able to curate a feed of just what, of what they want to see, I mean, that, you know, that has positives and it has pitfalls to it, right? right. Um we know that if you are able to curate entirely, that there is some 
fear that people fall into an echo chamber right. and aren't out looking for different experiences. Uh, even knowing that if you can be, if you can be a business that has been curated in someone's feed, then you know, uh, you have a lot of information about who you're talking to and you know a lot about how they feel about your company, unless it's a hate follow, I suppose. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if uh, we've ever really thought about hate followers, but I don't think we need to worry too much about that yet. Right. Uh, but it's, it does seem, you know, to your point about connection and being able to speak to people as humans, that there's a ton more possibility to be able to focus a message to people and be able to um, know who you're talking to to focus that message and really make, once you have made it into someone's feed, make uh, whatever model of sales you you ascribe to uh, quicker, simpler. Yeah. Uh, because you are you are talking to hot prospects. The flip side being uh, knowing that these that those platforms won't necessarily all be algorithm based. Uh, you're not going to be served to people who aren't looking for you. It's going to be tougher mm -hmm. to connect to new users. Really great, really great uh, to have the users you will have, but to add. And to figure out how to do that, I think will be an interesting challenge. Yeah. Um, I but and what excites me about that is that that means we have to innovate our message, right? We have to do you have to do something, and you have to be active about how you are going to attract new people in a space like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it will be better. It, I that's a future I could see being better for users, better for businesses, uh, just from the standpoint that you can't, uh, if you're not able to pay to play, then the people who are paying to play and turning off your users aren't going to be there. Yeah. Right. Uh, and if they're there, they're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to use the same strategy you do. And they're going to have to bring something good. You have to, you're going to have to bring something to the table, right? For people to get views, and uh, I that that's not something that inherently scares me, right? Yeah, it's actually like really hopeful, uh, right? To think about you know bringing it, you know, um, right? Which you know a constant challenge that a lot of marketers have, especially marketers that are working with. Um, uh, organizations that have sales teams and stuff, you know, there's that constant battle of, you know, product and people, sales and marketing, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, the kind of m message or content that you're putting out. Not that you can't, like, I mean, we we talk about product plenty for, you know, our clients, but if there's a way to do that, that's attractive. And there's a way that's mm -hmm. a huge turnoff, especially on social media. So, like, how do you how do you talk about product in a way that's actually valuable and genuine for people? By the way, we should be doing this right now in the current right. world that we're living in. But, right. um, you know, in a place like this, that's open form and or, or open source and with, you know, a bit more control by the end, by the user. Um, 
like the the fake crap ain't gonna fly they're just gonna mm-hmm. disengage you know <laughs> so right and especially if you can't pay to be in front of them whether they want to see it or not so right so it's interesting yeah. to think about you know and, and even even as intentional as we try to be there with the with that current dynamic and this is in every kind of media there is still an aspect of spray and pray right right so uh i think that spray and pray sort of attitude leads to uh leads some people down a road of creating something that uh is made with less effort less intentionality in order to make lots and lots and lots of them ads right yeah um as opposed to uh curating something a little more homemade i i can't you know a little more boutique mm-hmm. to really connect with people so yeah yeah interesting challenge mm-hmm. yeah so, it, so we know enough about threads now right enough to be dangerous definitely enough to be dangerous <laughs> so what do you think is this an easy yes uh, we've got to do this thing do we or does anyone else have to jump on this threads bandwagon that 10 million people already have or 100 million 100 million people yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so uh here here is where i'm coming down on this i don't think it's an easy yes yeah uh i think i think you what i think is this (laughs) number one if you think you're ever going to be there it might pay to get your place at the table it might pay now to set up your account uh particularly if you're a business you want to make sure if you're going to move on there that you are the one that originates an account with your brand with your name all of that stuff in the space even if you don't have a plan yet, but if you don't have a plan yet, don't do things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So it might be worth claiming your space yeah. to make sure someone else doesn't uh, get out there and impersonate you, uh, especially if that is something that people have been, It's. I'm going to knock on wood, uh, it's not something we have... Uh, had happened to us yet or any of the businesses we work with but man you talk about bad actors that is a that is a pretty easy target to uh for bad actors so might be worth doing that if you're ever going to be out there um if you're never going to be if you think you're never going to be out there i don't know how you would know that right now but uh then you could probably delay a thing that came up in the research I was doing that is really, really making me think about like a not yet strategy on this is that perception. You know, I mentioned that people are, the chatter about threads is that it's a nice Twitter. Well, uh, the reality of it is uh, without pulling any punches here, it is a progressive Twitter versus 
a conservative Twitter. And I think as a business, you have to, a place I would, a place I would be err on the side of caution would be where you want to balance your business and how you want to be perceived. If you want to be neutral, truly neutral, uh, I think that it pays to hedge your bets at the moment and see if Threads continues to be progressive, leaning toward leaning toward liberal, and uh, to the point where where people can see a divide, right? Right, and because at that point it becomes a message where you are, mm-hmm. and you have to make the decision: Do I have to be in both places and treat them in exactly the same way? to remain neutral now hey pal if you if that doesn't concern you and i my personal feeling is now it's different because i have to represent businesses that need to stay neutral um but i also know that not every client we have needs to stay neutral and not every business needs to stay neutral so i do think it's a consideration to like to pick your place, mm-hmm. I I don't know that that uh, takes away from my point of making sure that you have your spot on the platform. It just might mean you claim your spot and then don't do things with it. No. You know, because I, gosh, I would really hate to see someone who has decided, no, nah, you know, we, we're going to lean conservative. We're going to stay with TikTok and, or, or not with TikTok, Twitter. <laughs> and um then have someone impersonating them right on you know if there is a divide someone impersonating that account and right confusing the message i think that worst case scenario but yeah you know how i am (laughs) right yeah probably worst case scenario there and i do think that um the the group of people that would see you simply claiming your place and you know um creating your username whatever you know whatever that baseline work Mm -hmm. looks like um i think there's a really small group of people that would look that and see some sort of a lean you know Mm -hmm. away from neutral right um but there there probably are some uh but um i think that the uh important thing that happened the more important thing that happens by you doing that is uh brand security you know what i mean you're Mm -hmm. like you said right maybe sure avoiding an impersonator uh is uh, a really nice benefit of doing that but just you know making sure that wherever people might find you they at least see the right brand and mm-hmm. um and even if you don't engage at all um and people might not recognize this consciously they'll at least see well hey this business is here they're present they've claimed their place and um, they care about their brand, you know, and that's all probably happening in a microsecond in their brain, and then they're on to the next thing, you know. But, um, but that that might be all the reason to at least do that claim your space uh, thing right. that you're talking about. So, right, yeah, yeah. I, you know, if if a business, at, well, first off, it's probably a different answer depending on which business we're talking to to today. But in general, I would say if a business um, asked us today, like 
should I join threads or not? Um, I mean, ultimately I would do my best to make sure that they're the ones making that decision and not uh, mm -hmm. relying on, um, on a consultant or, you know, an agency like us to give them the answer. Um, but I do think we could provide some guidance that sounds a lot like what we've just been saying in the last six minutes, which is, right. you know, probably the most valuable thing you could do right now is claim your space. Um, if for some reason, you know, you just will never, ever, ever be there, then yeah, maybe don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. um, and just be on your toes and maybe, uh, you know, do some social listening and monitoring to make sure that there is no bad actor out there doing anything. But um, that would be like the bare minimum that I think we could recommend to a business right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and to watch it and see what people are doing. And if you, if you think there is any possibility, I, even if you don't think there's a possibility, I think interacting um, in whatever way you feel comfortable individually or seeing how other people are interacting with any social media platform uh, is a super valuable, super valuable experience. Right. Um, because if you, if you counted it out today and didn't pay attention to how it evolved, things that were changing about it, um, that would probably be at, that's at least not letting you have as much information as you could use in the future for strategy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So my, my official vote, uh, in case you are wondering for, at least for the the one business that I have total control over, quote unquote, <laughs> total control over, is uh, probably, but not yet. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, especially, like, let's, let's talk about Twitter, because we are, you know, if, if they are similar enough, enough platforms, um, here's the, here we reach the spoiler part of the discussion. Um, we locked down our Twitter account earlier this year, mm -hmm. uh, and you can, if you'd like to find out why we have a wonderful blog post <laughs> said the incredibly biased person, um, <laughs> that you can read. So lots of, lots of reasons that we decided to step away from Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, and the underlying reason is that we weren't nothing was happening for us there. Right. Yeah. So like it, there were, there were, there were enough other reasons yeah. that it didn't make sense to pursue trying to make something happen there. Right. But uh, in my mind, like similar thing here, like it's the same, hmm, it's not the same site. But it's so darn good. It's got the 500 right. characters. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's close enough in intention yeah. that we know the strategy we were using wasn't working right. on a site like it. Right. So yeah. uh, what what we what we would do as a business is figure out what that strategy is. I mean, I would be I would be a fan of planning that planning a strategy that we think will work for threads and um seeing if there is anything about the users of that platform that they respond differently than what we were seeing on twitter 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, I mean, um, I think that it's important to kind of recognize the really basic principle of, um, or that that helped inform us to disengage from Twitter. I mean, of course, there's you know some things happening within the company that maybe helped raise the question, like, hey, is this a space that we should you know really engage with? Mm -hmm. um, but then you know, putting that kind of recognizing that, but then putting it to the side, and then getting back to like you know social media or marketing basic principles, which is you mm -hmm. know you don't have to be everywhere be where you're going to be with intention and see what's happening and then change, do something new and grow. Uh, and we, we weren't doing those really basic fundamental things with Twitter. There's, I think right now, if we decided today, Twitter threads or really anything else, um, if we wanted to develop a strategy and grow an audience that way, um, we, we could, we could just choose to do that and do that in a way that we've seen other companies have success in mm -hmm. on that platform. Um, but that's, you know, quite a bit different than the work that we've been doing and would take a real dedication of time and resources from our team to do that and do it well, you know, in a way that we can monitor it, see results, mm -hmm. continue to change. And, uh, um, and that's, we, we've just got, like, I hate to make it sound so simple, but we just got other stuff to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, <laughs> so it's we true. We have other priorities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the point for, for our listeners here, the point being um, that, uh, and this is a point that I think we come back to time and time and time again, that it is rarely the case that you have to, quote unquote, uh, do something, whether that is you have to join this one or you have to close your account, you know, you have to leave that one. It is, uh, I, and I only use the word rarely because I know you hate it when I say never, but I would like to say never. It's never the case that you have to, um, in the big broad sense where someone could write an article and say, you have to do this thing. Nope. Nope. Don't have to. What you have, what you quote unquote have to do is uh, look at your strategy, look at who you're trying to talk to, find out where they are. You know, that's the priority for every company. Right. And that part of it might lead you to, you quote unquote, have to, yeah. uh, or it would be in your best interest to, it would benefit you too. Right. Um, but without that part of it, of who you're talking to, what you want them to hear, and that really important piece that you're pointing out of your ability to do it right because they could all be there they could be primed to hear your message but if you don't have the ability to get them that message then like don't don't kill yourself to do it right yeah 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 any are there any red flags uh general warning signs anything like that that we should point out to people before we wrap up this little section and move on. I mean, I don't want to create any controversy controversy amidst our nice soft landing and transition uh, mm -hmm. here on this episode, but, um, and maybe just speaking personal opinion here, but I also know I'm not the only one with it. Um, it's a meta product. So just, I don't know, do I have to say anything else? Like, 
<laughs> you know, I mean, there have been there have been plenty of previous examples of you know security threats and mm-hmm. uh, you know, breach straight up breaches and um, you know reasons why you should always tread lightly and be aware uh, whether we're talking about Threads or Facebook mm-hmm. or you know any of them, you know. So um, yeah, just be careful. Yeah, and and I I, I really like maybe what I should say is be mindful. I don't want to mm-hmm. say like be careful, like you know you should be walking on eggshells the whole time, but just be mindful and intentional about what you're doing and and pay attention. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I guess the the final thing for me to add to that, um, not to pile on negativity. I mean, I don't think it's inherently negative is to, as you're looking at the strategy, like think about the human cost of it too, that uh, I'm an entirely biased party here because uh, when, when we decided to pause things on Twitter, part of my experience was being the one out there representing our team and trying to see, you know, what, what the chatter was doing uh non-technical social listening and and uh like that that takes a human takes a human toll um when something when a platform like that devolves as some of those users did have are um into a pretty negative space so i think you know just alongside the payroll hour consideration you know the the human cost of what you're asking people to interact with and strategize around um is shouldn't be overlooked because if it's if it sucks to do it um you know you've got you've got people to consider right right here at home right so yeah there good point yeah be good i'm i am literally just telling people to be nice to people and that yeah Always a good point. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll keep our eyes on threads. And uh, I imagine probably be talking about it sometime not too far down the road. I would think so. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, transition to something awesome where we share our recommendations. And I'm really excited for today because one, uh, yeah, Sue's already yeah laughing at me i was waiting for the minute that i got to hear this word these words come out of your mouth ben (laughs) i'm gonna geek out on another christopher nolan movie Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, and i'm mm -hmm. here i am like making a recommendation before even seeing the thing but (laughs) uh i've been looking forward to this movie for so long one because it's a christopher nolan movie and i am just super biased and will like every christopher nolan movie even like i like oppenheimer before i've even seen it uh but um (laughs) You know, I've just been uh, kind of following things, even though I I know what, what happens. Uh, I'm aware of uh, history, uh, <laughs> so there's not any big spoilers. But I'm also not trying to dive into like the script or the plot or anything like that too much because I do want to and just enjoy the movie uh, fresh and clean. But um, I wanted I really like to listen to music scores while I'm working uh, or movie scores while I'm working it's kind of like a way to almost like cheat and watch a movie while you're working too because especially if it's a movie that you've seen and love um 
and Christopher Nolan always uh, does a great job with music in his movies, or I should say the composers that he hires do a great job with his movies, Hans Zimmer and uh, Ludwig Gornson, who did the score for Oppenheimer. Uh, and so I just, um, I just listened to the score for the first time earlier this week uh, and listened to it again this morning. Uh, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird and kind of geeking out a little bit, but I just like how it kind of, um, I have like a story happening in my brain while I'm working. Mm -hmm. And, and also I can't do uh, too much of listening to music with lyrics while I'm working. Cause it seems to just get in the way of what I'm doing. So um, anyway, love the score. I'm so excited for the movie. Uh, the link that we'll share is to a really cool article from variety where uh, you hear from Ludwig talking about uh, kind of his creative process and how he, uh, like intentionally chose to use violins because of their association with like horror movies and some of the like mood he was trying to create, um, you know, for the, for the audience. And he did created the whole thing in five days. So I'm just like, I'm fascinated by like the creative process with music and stuff anyway. And then to think of somebody taking, you know, this blockbuster movie um, from a director who, always has a strong um, musical presence in his movies mm -hmm. and to think that that got done in five days like I don't know it's just it just blows my mind it absolutely blows my mind so um, maybe on our next episode I'll actually recommend the movie or I can probably just get that out of the way right now like it's going to be that, great I heard the Rotten well. Tomato score is 92 so like I mean it's it's going to be awesome. So I, I don't know if we're going tonight or tomorrow night, but I'm so excited. So, yeah, I when the very first time I saw a preview for it, I was blown away by just how Killian Murphy looks. Yeah, right. It, like it be especially because Oppenheimer to me uh, has a like he has a really distinctive look about him as a human being really recognizable i think yeah. and just man they just nailed it yeah it does it looks it really looks great mm -hmm. um you you got me man there's your <laughs> there's your christopher nolan uh for me finally finally, finally re yeah yeah well he he finally did something i'm interested in so yeah no offense yeah, yeah. No, to both you and christopher nolan yeah, well, and Christian Bale and Batman lovers everywhere and everything else. Yeah, but okay, but listen, not hashtag not my Batman. We've talked about this. <laughs> I know, I know. I we haven't talked about the Flash either. I went and saw the Flash. Oh, I speaking haven't of, seen it yet. But speaking I've heard. of hashtag not my Batman, because <laughs> that has hashtag my Batman in it. Right. Yeah. And it was that was fantastic. Yeah, I heard it was good. Oh, I got to see that one too. Too much stuff yeah. to watch. It's true true but that's not my recommendation my recommendation is this is a nice little homey recommendation we uh we decided that volunteering at the car show which is six hours of wandering the car show grounds um was not enough walking for one weekend so we decided to go to old world wisconsin if you're not familiar with old world wisconsin it is an outdoor museum and it features four different distinct areas. That sounds right. Um, and uh, buildings that were uh, 
brought from all over the state to recreate farms, villages, uh, and all sorts of different businesses from the 1800s and beyond. So uh, very a very cool opportunity. It sits on over 500 acres of land. It is the largest, what did they say? Um, the tram driver said it is the largest open air museum in the country. Hmm. Something like that. So all I, I just I just recalled he said that and I turned I turned to my husband and said that's a really niche thing to <laughs> brag about. <laughs> I think you're the only one doing it. So it's right. might be might be easy to be the largest. <laughs> anyway, they're not the only one doing it. But the point is this. Um very cool experience. Uh just to go and we had a great we had great weather. And even at 500 plus acres, they have uh, they have shuttles that take you in between. So they they will have a full uh, a full recreation of not an entire farm, but the farmstead. So house uh, outbuildings, the whole like the whole yard set up in a realistic way. Uh, so you can experience that stuff. And then their reenactors are um, out there tending gardens, baking in vintage stoves. Uh, we talked to one reenactor that was, uh, they had sheared the sheep. They were making yarn. He was dyeing the yarn and was explaining uh, the natural flowers and different seeds and things they used to dye the yarn. So really interesting. Um, historically, if you are a hiker, if you like history and hiking, a great place to go. Because Best you of can, both worlds. Yeah, you can hike between. It's it's quite a walk if you are not a hiker and don't like to hike. Um, but that's what the trams are for. So yeah. that so really cool experience. My husband and my oldest son went and wandered around there for the day. And you can you can spend quite a lot of time there. We yeah. we were there virtually open to close. They open at eleven, I think they close at four. And yeah, wow. We were able to spend almost the whole day. So that's really cool. I'd never even heard of it. So Oh really? Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's on the list. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And you could do from where we're at, you can do it in a day. It's a long day. Sure. Because yeah. it's about it's about a two and a half hour drive okay but you know if you don't want to we we have done it and we've actually done it both ways where we have you know it's down in the uh southeastern part of the state so plenty of places to stay right. you know other things that you could do if you wanted to go down and make a weekend of it and right this time we just did it in a day trip and also totally possible right nice. and it's you know the fresh air the yeah yeah the whole thing great experience yeah so. especially for a summer activity that's pretty cool I mean we, we're actually itching to go to the museum in Milwaukee and um I just I, right now it's the weather's so nice and I kind of know I don't want to spend a whole day inside a museum you know but mm -hmm. this is maybe another opportunity to do something like that and be outside a bit too yeah <laughs> love it yeah and uh particularly with kids I yeah. think it's, we, we took the kids when they were younger. Um, 
and it still bears up if you're a history nerd. Yeah. But for the little kids, you know, they can they can participate in all of this stuff. And yeah. so yeah. Oh. So old world old world Wisconsin, great place to go, hard thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> we will include the link if you want to check it out. And if you are listening from somewhere outside of Wisconsin these you know living check it out in your own area living history mm -hmm. museums um are very cool opportunities and i think that they uh they don't necessarily get the visitor count that they they might deserve for what they are out there trying to do so yeah yeah so that brings us to the end thank you as always for joining us you can always catch up on your favorite podcast app um, or you can find all of our episodes on our blog, along with other things like the uh, our Twitter blog, which I will also include the link so you can get to that here. But check it all out at exclamationcuso.com slash blog. Awesome. Thanks, friends, for tuning in. Be awesome. And we'll see you next time. The Osmology Podcast is a production of Exclamation Services. Thanks to Nick Mulliver for sound production and Kylie Ganther for our cover artwork. Executive producers are me, Ben Bauer, and my friend, Suzanne Campbell.